Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Nick Murray. I'm Mike Steele. I'm Ben Stoddard. And I'm Jeremy Duvall. Aloha and mahalo, fellas. I'm excited uh, to be back Recording countercharge, post-wedding, post-Hawaiian, uh, lava flow-filled vacation. Um, and I'm excited to have Nick, Mike, and Ben on the show to talk a little bit of Rexburg and the mecca that exists there and the refugees of the old world GT that's coming up here in October. So how, how's it going, fellas? Thanks. It's f- fun to have you on the show. It is fantastic to be here, Jeremy. Appreciate it fantastic summon our, our ben would know we'll, we'll, we'll have to summon our inner uh mark Zelensky ben uh who's uh yes. on a beach in his garage now painting playing as many 500 point games as his little heart can handle in the uh retirement well awesome um so we're going to talk a little refugees uh we're going to hear um from last year's champ and new to countercharge mike uh we're going to talk a little bit uh with ben about scenarios you know the pack uh, the setup of refugees, and then Mike, Nick, and I, who are all planning on going, are going to talk a little bit of uh, what our initial list ideas are going into, what armies we're going to take the refugees. So it's going to be a, a super fun episode. But first, Mike, you know we haven't had you on countercharge, and always we like to when our first our first time guests is to sort of get a little gamer origin story. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about how you get you got into gaming, and then maybe how you found Kings of War. And sort of uh, met Ben and got into playing in uh, refugees. Absolutely. So my gaming origin story is kind of boring, to be honest with you. Um, it happened all about six years ago. Ben Stoddard and I worked together, and just kind of as I got to know Ben, he was always talking about this game that he played and how he's always always painting models and he was showing me pictures. And it was never really something that I'd ever thought about doing growing up. I never played Warhammer or any kind of game like that. And so he'd show me these things and I thought, cool, that's awesome for him. Just not necessarily my thing. He and I just kind of, we, like I said, we worked together. And so we just kind of kept talking about it. And one night we decided to get together to play a game of risk. And I show up at his house and he says, Oh, just kidding. We're going to play Kings of War. And me being the sucker that I am, I say, sure, why not? Um, And I, played that night and I loved it. I fell in love with the game. It was, you know, it, it appealed to the the fantasy component that I'd kind of grown up loving um, Lord of the Rings and just kind of liking that sort of stuff. Um, and it, it was a challenge. It was fun. It was easy to play, but at the same time, the strategy component of it was just a massive challenge. And so, uh, like I said, I just kind of fell in love and over the last six years, it just kind of gotten farther and farther into the hobby, been able to travel to a couple of, uh, tournaments, uh, Went to Masters the first year that it was it was there in um, Nashville and had a, a great time. Been able to go to Lady of the Lake, um, did that once and had an awesome time. Then went to a tournament up in Portland um, and really, really enjoyed that up there. So, yeah, that's pretty much how I got into it. Awesome. I like I like Ben is like, you want you want some candy? 
It's like he's got the the are like the risk or you want this Stratego lollipop, you know, of a game that you kind of know how to play and then drops the the fillet. Of oh, yeah, totally, totally pulled a fast one on me that night. But, it's funny. you know, it was probably OK. It's worked out just fine. That's Taste awesome. is always free. Uh huh. That's what you got to do, right? You got to. You know, we always talk about different ways to try to get new people into the hobby, and then I'm ner- I haven't thought as much yet about telling them to do something completely different at your house, and then just just <laughs> being like, "We're doing that's, this instead." That's the old bait and switch. Yeah, I think there may be some little secret sauce in there somewhere. But cool. Well, why don't we just do? I always like to do, and I haven't been on the show for a little bit with my wedding and um, honeymoon, and I just want to take a quick second and just say thank you so much to all of the the great wishes from everyone uh, around the community. You know, Hillary and I are really thankful for everyone's um, happy wishes. It was great. Uh, Some of the Texas guys um, made it down. Some of the SoCal gamers drove up. So it was really cool to have um, also a a big group of my Kings of War uh, buddies that I met through the hobby, you know, who now become your real life. I mean, your regular buddies to have them at the, at the wedding. So it was, it was super fun. So thank you everyone for all the, the, the well wishes and um thank you very much again I, I i mentioned it on the live show but uh i was halfway into an evening a lot of lava flows and i had posted a picture and then mark sent me like a paypal wedding gift and was like keep the lava flows flowing so thank you mr Zelinsky. i did uh, with the prices in hawaii his donation bought me a whole one and a half lava flows cool well before we get into refugees and um the scene up there in Idaho. Let's do a quick around the table hobby update. Let's see what's everyone up to. So let's start with you, Nick. First off, uh, I know Blake was on with Rob talking a little bit about sort of their first time master's experience. But what about you? Why don't you just, you know, rift on that a little bit? What was master's like for you? Oh, man. Well, first off, Masters was amazing. I mean, honestly, the experience of going for a first time player was really, really spectacular. I had an awesome time. And if anyone who hasn't ever been and kind of is like, oh, what's it like? It's just kind of just a great time hanging out with friends, drinking beer and playing board games. It's kind of the easiest way to describe it. But it was an awesome experience. Had so much fun Um, on the hobby side of, well, you know, as as, as anyone at Masters saw my army, they're like, oh, that's that's cute. You, You brought a you brought a painted army, you know, that meme where it's like, yeah, but the army's painted. That's kind of describing my stuff. So I'm uh, in the process of of making a whole lot of changes to a lot of different things. I'm actually working on some uh, working on some Dracon writers right now, actually. And that's like totally not my style. However, I'm working on working with my airbrush to kind of figure out how to get some of the layering down. And I can tell you, it's made a huge difference in my hobby scene. So outside of the Dracon Riders, I'm actually making a bunch of changes to some wraiths and some new Mirce miniature whites that I'm hoping I can get done in time for Refugee. Awesome. Yeah, it's always cool when you like add a new tool to the repertoire, you know, and I know the airbrush is such a big one. I know you, you guys have a, a really nice growing scene, but I think one of the things that you first realize when you go to an, a, an event like Masters is... The awe, not only of uh, you, you know that the skill is going to be there, right? Because it's the best players. But I think what we see each year at Masters is the hobby just keeps getting more insane and more insane. 
So not only are you playing against great players, it's a room full of great painters too. Was that sort of your sense, Nick? A lot of beautiful armies, you thought? Oh, absolutely. I remember at one time um, I stuck my army. They were like, yeah, keep it on the table. And I was like, no, I'm going to put it in the corner because maybe you won't look at it as much. And then, you know, maybe I'll just just give me the F and move on. It's fine. But no, the painting was just outstanding. And I had so many opportunities to talk with Paint Judge and a couple other folks and just like, hey, how does this work? What are you looking for in this stuff? And it was just incredible. I mean, the experience won. And then, I mean, gosh, it's just it's mind blowing that these folks are just this good at different hobbies. And I'm just so lucky that I have uh west coast players like britain and you jeremy that i'm like well okay cool you're gonna bring up my paint score so i appreciate that and as a as for the west for for people who don't know different masters regions do scoring differently so some regions will take just your battle score and that's that's how they calculate your master scores etc uh for the west we take overall um and not to say anyone's better than the others but ours is better because i i want like my players to try to excel in all aspects of the game um which is to be a great painter a good general but also a nice guy because in the end if we don't encourage people to play our game it's like there's an end somewhere right because we all of us will die (laughs) eventually you know 30 years 20 years from now it's just me and rob making still making counter charge with two listeners you know we need to to be uh get new people into the hobby and one way to do that is with beautiful armies and friendly atmosphere so for the west i know we take our scores based on uh, our overall and i'm curious you know i i try was i always try to come up with nicknames for people you know we got the spy master we got plenty of uh uh the cheese you know so i was thinking uh for you nick don't face me on day one nick because i know day one at masters you were wrecking house but talk to us a little bit what, what was like going into to day two three and oh and all of a sudden having to play the big boys oh man well you know i i won't forget it because Kyle uh, Pretzel Twinkie is a pretty good friend, and he comes over and he goes, hey, make sure you lose your first game so you're not playing all the really, really good people. And I kind of laughed, and I was like, ha, 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 that's funny. And then I won my first game against Greg Pierce- Persons. And, I mean, Greg was an amazing opponent, and we had a blast. And then I went, oh, I won my first game. Oh, crap, what do I do now? And then I played, gosh, what was it, um, Adam Ballard and then Brad McKay, and I ended up winning them them winning against both of them, but it was super tight games and all the way around. And I'm sitting there going, ah, I don't know what's going on. This is, this is really odd. And then, and then I placed, uh, play against Travis Tim and he just, his, his, his list just totally wrecked me. It wasn't, wasn't even a competition. I couldn't even do anything against it. And, you know, it was, it was really fun to have the experience to be able to be kind of up there for a little while and then get your teeth kicked in and realize, wow, I have so much more to learn. And so I brought that back to like kind of our local scene. and was like, you know, hey, there's there's a lot of opportunity for growth in the things that we're doing. And, you know, none of us really play like a goblin shooting meta here, at least in Reno. It's very like infantry based and not even cav based. I mean, you'll be really surprised. We have a lot of flyers, a lot of infantry. So that's what we're used to playing. So it was like begging guys like, hey, bring goblin shooting. Let's see if this works. Uh, you know, can can I bring this many drops and see if I don't lose one single unit every single turn? You know, maybe maybe we can do that. And and it just 
it really just changed my perspective on how to even play the game. And I think it's made me a tremendously better player. And my hat's off to all my opponents at Masters. What an awesome time. What an amazing experience. Like, I cannot thank you enough. Everybody was a true gentleman. And it was fun. I mean, it was it was a great time. Even when I was getting my teeth kicked in, you know, at the end of it, Travis hands me a beer and says, you know, hey, sorry about that. Like, hey, you know, whatever it is, it is what it is. But the experience. And I say, like, face big boys, and you're still playing Greg, Adam, and former master in day one. So really, there's like, <laughs> there's like no, and that's the thing we say it all the time, you know, there's nowhere to go in that room. Um, no. You know, no. you lose twice and end up playing someone like a Dustin Howard or something, you know what I mean? It's just, there's just the nowhere to go. But I was really excited. You guys had fun, you and Blake as new players, you know. I know the Reno scene has been great for us, and we'll talk a little bit later today is uh, I know there's a bunch of Reno guys planning to head up to refugees. So I think it's been a, a great, uh, that scene growing there has been great for not only you guys, but for a lot, all the surrounding regions. So I'm really excited. You guys had a good time. Okay, cool, cool, Ben. What about you? Um, st- just getting ready for the tournament or you've been, uh, what have you been working on hobby wise? So yeah, I've got, as usual, I've got a dozen different projects going on at the same time. Mostly right now, my my world revolves, especially this time of year, around getting things prepped for refugees. Uh, I always try to add at least one new table worth of terrain every year, and this year I'm adding two, possibly three, um, and I'm just working as hard as I can to get those done. Right now I'm working on a, a Japanese-themed table. I've got like some pagodas and some cherry blossom trees and things of that nature that I'm putting together for one of the tables that I think is going to look really cool. Um, on top of that, I was just telling you guys I was working on the, the dice bags and the swag for the, for the thing. So if I'm a little bit loopy, it's because I'm using oil paints on some velvet bags, and they're sitting literally right off to the left of my computer right now, and the, the vapors are quite intoxicating right now so other than that i also contacted uh, austin kerrigan because he's got a 3d printing service and i i i don't hate myself enough to start up another hobby of 3d printing so i had him print me out the uh lost kingdoms kingdom of mercia kickstarter um and i've got those Ooh, very cool my, yeah they're, that they're range cool. is amazing yeah, I'm super excited for that. I'm gonna turn it into a um, brother or Order of the Green Lady army because they've got a bunch of the I've got a bunch of the uh, alternate mounts. So there's like little hippogriffs and mini griffins and stuff like that that are scattered throughout the horses and stuff for my for my knights and all that kind of stuff. It looks really cool. They turned out to be a little bit bigger than I anticipated. So, but it, it the scale's consistent throughout my army. It just might look a little bit interesting when it comes up against. And uh, he printed somebody. he printed it for you in his on a it's a resin print job yep it's a resin print the, job um, how is the quality i mean were you pretty happy with it when you got i'm it? i'm ecstatic with the quality the detail is crisp it's it doesn't look 3d printed like you can usually tell the spacing between the filament and all that kind of stuff and all that nope not with this it is it is crisp it's clear i love it i'm super excited to get started on it i haven't had a chance to put any of them together yet just because i've been focused on on getting the tournament ready but as soon as refugees is over i'm going to start into that and that's probably going to be my army for that i do for next year um and well, austin is such an artisan you know oh, uh, i would imagine whatever he did creatively whether it's painting or or 3d pr- he's going to do it at like a high level yep that's that's exactly why i went with him is because he, he's been awesome he's been a trooper he's been he's been great for working with it and 
sending me pictures and say, what do you think of this? Is this, is this what you're looking for? Uh, and sending them over to me and all that kind of stuff and, and staying on schedule been a, been a great thing. I'd recommend his 3d printing service to anybody who, uh, who's looking to do that and doesn't want to go into the, the process of learning how to 3d print themselves. Cause he, he does an awesome job. Awesome. Yeah. Austin's one of my, what color should this be gurus? Like, yes. I, have a, I have a couple of those where it's like, I just can't decide on something and I just take a picture and I'm just like, what color should this be? And it's always like, oh, yeah, take these seven browns, mix two <laughs> parts this brown, one part this other brown. Think of think of how the sun looks when it sets in the fall and then paint the boot. <laughs> I'm just like, OK, this is one of my infantrymen. Yeah, yeah I know. But he, but he's just one of those uh, 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 very phenomenal. giving hobbyists. Right. Yeah. Like he always just takes time to answer questions or, you know, uh, pay yeah. it forward. Super nice. Like I would never I wouldn't. I would never hesitate to to go up and talk to him or contact him on Facebook or whatever it is. He's super open, super easygoing. He he loves to talk about it, about painting and about models and all this kind of stuff. Just super great guy, great member of the community. Awesome. Okay, what about you, Mike? Uh, uh, when Ben got you into the game, did he get you into just sort of the playing stuff? Or Ben's a great painter and a great hobbyist in his own right. Did did that sort of capture you too? Are you into the hobby side of things? So I am by no means a great painter. Um, I'm definitely into the hobby side. Uh, in the six years or so I've been doing this, I put together, uh, I think, four different armies. Um, more in the process. Varying, yeah, and varying levels of badness uh, with the paint with my paint ability, but it, ho- hopefully it's getting better as I, as I go on. But, um, right now I've, um, I'm in grad school right now. So my semester just started. So my hobby time is somewhat limited, but in between semesters, I had a couple of weeks where I was able to just paint for a couple hours each night. And I, I knocked out, um, a, a few different things. I've been going through and redoing one of my, uh, first armies that I did. I, I love the Beringer army. Uh, the Beringer has always just kind of appealed to me. Um, and it was one of the first armies that I, that I did. And as I've gone back through and kind of looked at some of the units that I that I painted, um, I, I cringe a lot. And so I've been trying to go through and either redo them or freshen them up or make them look halfway presentable. Um, I, I got into the Asgard Rising line um, and I've just been loving those. So I've been ordering them kind of here and there and just trying to to get them done up and just kind of refresh that army. Very cool. I'm not familiar with is Asgard Rising. Is that just like a like a, a STL a group of STL files? Yeah, it's all 3D printed. I've been getting okay. most of my stuff off of Etsy or off of eBay or whatever. Um, and is it like kind of Scandinavian or or what's the feel? Yeah, very of that? very much just kind of a Viking uh, line okay. of of minis. I'm looking at them now. Very cool. See, I love these are my favorite type of historicals where they're like they take the the essence of a historical time period or whatever and then like fantasizes them or like makes them more extreme or like like i don't need the 100 percent hardcore i'd rather have like a mythical looking viking i guess if that makes sense is that sort of that's what this line looks like yeah exactly like it because i love vikings but i figure if we're playing a fantasy game let's take all the like really really cool things about the vikings and just kind of play and have fun with it like it doesn't yeah. have to be like 100 historically accurate which, uh, you know, just take the fun parts of it, have some fun with it, and make an army out of it. Got to turn it up to 11, basically. Is, uh, exactly. exactly. And, I, 
and I'm like you, Ben, I look at all these 3D printed lines and they're so amazing. But as people saw on my post, I put a really interesting post up on Countercharge. Oh, it's been interesting to me to hear your guys' responses about what are people's hobbies outside of just miniature wargaming. And one of mine is like uh, collecting comic books and the amount of space that that takes that if I also wanted to set up a 3D resin printer some way here, I'd have the shortest marriage and, you know, <laughs> this would end very quickly just because of, of, of having the space. But that aside, man, some of these 3D lines of miniatures are just so cool. Yeah, it makes you almost want to reconsider that decision, even it though does. you know it's a bad idea. I, totally, just because it's like – and I know uh, Garrett uh, was going to be on the show, and he still may join us a little bit, Garrett Mercier. But he's a big fan of that too, of, of just being like, oh, I'm just going to print myself up an army. Um and again, you know, it is a hobby in and of itself. So I don't I'm of the camp as I don't think it's going to replace stores or whatever, because there's always going to people be people who just don't want to get into 3D printing uh, because it really is. I mean, you get that stuff from Austin. That's really nice. But he's probably has the setup and the practice. You know, yeah. it's it's a, a hobby in and of itself. And that hobby is not for everyone. So just so many. It's like a really the golden age of miniatures right now, I think. I totally agree. And one of the things that I noticed um, recently, like at least with our store here locally and our store owner, Cody, he's done a fantastic job of mixing the two. So we'll say like, for example, um, I'm using the Mantic Skeletons and if anyone's seen Mantic Skeletons, they're, you know, they're some of the original lines that they did in the Kickstarter and they're, they're good, but they're not GW quality in terms of that, what it is. And so it's sometimes your paint score is going to be yeah, kind of a middle of the line because of some of the just there's not a lot of detail there that you're trying to work with. And so Cody and I got together. And we're like, OK, how do we kind of make this? And so we we 3D printed particular elements that we wanted to enhance some of the Mantic models or some others. And so there's a lot of options that you can kind of do. And if your store owners are into it like ours is and he's got about seven different printers, it really kind of makes it to where, you know, world's your oyster when it comes to printing in my my secret project. That won't be a secret for for that long. I just I want to finish one unit in an army before I like tell everyone what I'm I'm doing in my army to try to force me to paint faster. But you can like paint. I I printed off a bunch of basing materials or little cloaks or doodad. You know, like your uh, bling. You can paint on. You can so if you don't even want to go like the full 3D print, you just want to print some accessories. Oh, yeah. Like at Masters, I think it was at least Ryan Ryan from our local scene who was running Orcs. Um, he 3D printed us all of our artifacts and all of our upgrade, you know, uh, all the different uh, things we could bring to our particular elements so that people could see them and we didn't have to use cards or whatever it was. And we got to add a lot of comments on there like, oh, that's really cool. Hey, look, the J boots. Look at all those cool things that we were able to 3D print and actually paint and stick on our army so it was 100% visible. Well, I've been, um, I was, I've been gone, so I've been on my vacation, but I have been painting a lot. Um, I got the um, Reaper line of miniature paints off of eBay. I think I had talked about that a little bit in the last couple of shows, but I absolutely love the paint range. It is fantastic. I like the paint and glazes and thin layers and stuff like that, and the Reaper paints are very thin. So it's definitely a much different style of painting, but for me, that's sort of what I begin to found. You know, I still have so much way to go and to learn how to paint but i feel like i'm just beginning to kind of figure out like what brushes i like and what paint works better for my style and stuff like that and i just love 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 the reaper paints um i can't recommend them enough i won't 
uh, divulge my full project, but I am doing a Greek-themed army. Uh, it's not Kingdoms of Men. It is a fantasy race, but it's going to have lots of Greek elements. So sort of my idea is, I know people have seen Scott Holcomb's pirate army. So imagine if his fleet of pirate ships got lost in a foggy storm and all of a sudden ended up on like an Aegean-esque island that had some evil Greek-themed group that was in control of that island. That's sort of like the idea behind my – it's like, you know, uh, who would ha- who would have um, uh, Odysseus fought against if in the Odyssey they had crashed on like a fantasy island? You know what I mean? So it's going to be a fantasy race army, but lots of uh, Greek elements. And that's what I went to school for uh, uh, is ancient Mediterranean history. So um, I'm going to have um, like marble mosaics. Uh, I'm I'm thinking I'm going to like pull a Game of Thrones and like make a language for the race that's like based off of ancient Greek. And so I can write little sayings and make fun of my opponent. So I'm just kidding. Right. I love you in, in, in a made up language, but that's sort of what I've been working on is I am working on the first sort of proof of concept unit for that army, but it has also required some airbrushing, some different uh, techniques, you know, so this is I'm I'm hoping I began the army right after last Masters and I'm hoping to use it at Masters next year if I qualify. So the idea is, can I finish in one calendar year an army painted to the my highest the highest standard that I can do, uh, not cut any corners on it. So I don't know if that's possible. And then, <laughs> you know, the time is ticking here already. It's been a couple of months since Masters. So, but that's my goal. Like Nick, you can always, even in adversity and challenge, it's still a pathway to mastery. So it's like, even if I don't succeed, I'm still trying to force myself to to try to create projects that I can be proud of, but in a shorter, shorter time. So that's what now, I'm Now, does that on. involve uh, some spear hordes, maybe, Jeremy? No. Spear hordes? No? No, no more spear no hordes? Spear hordes. No. Oh, no okay. Spear just, hordes. Just, just checking. Just checking. Yeah, and I still have those that are left to be painted on my paint table. And oh, like, no, I've no. I've done the other projects, but I leave them there to, like, so they Remind can, like, you. yeah, still look at me and they're, like, proof of my failure so that, like, won't ever fail again. Yeah, you know, it's just hard when you, we, I try, you know, you want to do your best and I try to you know, paint things to the best of I can and I try, always try to, each time I paint something, have it be better than the thing that I painted last, most previous. And it just takes time and planning a wedding takes time. And, you know, it's just this last year has been just so crazy for me. But I'm just sort of started back with that hour a day hobby. I mean, is that something you guys do? I try to at least hobby every day, even if it's for a short period. But I find if I skip one day, I'm less likely to hobby each day I skip it's that much more or less likely I am to pick up the brush the next day. So I'm trying to at least get a little bit of hobby done every day is that something that resonates with you guys uh in general something along those lines does uh does help me i've learned that i can't do that every day uh with with the kids and two other jobs kind of thing and working through all of that but i have found that if i reserve i know friday night or saturday night or sunday morning or something like that i've got a certain block of time that is just for painting that helps me plan around it that helps me prepare for it it gives me something to look forward to um and sometimes i'll i'll try and sneak in an hour or two during the week and then when i'm really deep into a project 
um, finding time to do that and, and, and really focusing on that, I'll find that I, yeah, scheduling at least an hour or so a night will, will help with some of those things, but it's, it's a matter of get it when you can. And sometimes an hour is too much and some, and most of the time it's not enough at all. So I, I like that idea in theory when it comes down to actual practice <laughs> in theory it's a bit harder. <laughs> in theory it definitely makes a whole lot of sense I, I found that for my hobby at least if I can work on it Sunday evening or Saturday morning or something sometime on the weekend usually is when I'm able to fit it in ideally okay. I'd like to get a couple hours a night or something like that but between other hobbies and kids and jobs and grad school and you know just everything that life throws at you it just and what are you going to what are you going to grad school for um i'm getting my master's in special education with an emphasis in autism oh cool yeah so i got my graduate degree in history and at first i thought i was gonna um uh, get my teaching credential and part of that was doing an observation tour in a special day school for ashburger's kids okay Uh, and I did a lot of stuff in special education. And the thing that I love the most about this is sort of like a sidebar, but it's always so interesting. In many ways, special education is like cutting edge stuff, right? So it was Absolutely. really, right? It was really interesting in, to see and observing and learning more about special education, just how much cutting edge technology is being developed and just the actual excitement of always pushing the boundaries and how you how you educate. So that's a pretty exciting thing. Uh, field i think oh absolutely so my my bachelor's is in uh, my education uh but social studies education so history and economics and that kind of stuff and i mean you can really only teach the war of 1812 so many different ways like we we can't necessarily reinvent that wheel but when you're working with the special ed population you know autism is such a such a huge spectrum that everything's just always changing and always evolving and you've got to be on your toes and i mean and plus you're working with some pretty special kids that way some very, very special clientele. So it, it, it's just pretty cool. Well, awesome. You know, I grew up in a, both my parents were teachers, so I have a lot of uh, respect um, for for teachers. So that's awesome. Um, but what I'm hearing from you guys really is, uh, and then we'll take a break in a second and then come back and talk about refugees. But what I'm hearing you for, from you guys as far as painting is have some sort of time scheduled where you know I'm going to try to hobby at this time because if you don't, you're always going to find something else you could be doing. Um, Nick, do you try to do that? Do you schedule hobby time or how do you get your hobby in? Outside of my job and other things, you know, it does keep me rather busy, but I do have four kids at home. Um, So as soon as they go to bed, at least during the week, I do try to get at least an hour or two. And actually the wife and I sit together throw on some sort of a show or however it is and kind of work through some of the hobby together. She's not really a painter, but she does give me a lot of advice like, oh, that color doesn't look great. I'm like, hey, quiet. That's I thought it looked really good or whatever. But she really kind of encourages me to uh, maintain that. And then, you know what helps a lot? Tournaments. I think all of us can relate to that. I'm sitting here looking at my pile of 13 skeletons I have to paint for Refugee and going, okay, cool. So how long is it going to take me? And I kind of come down to the math because that's a little portion of my job. And I kind of just run the numbers in my head and go, okay, so if I do not spend an hour a week for the next three weeks, I won't have skeletons at Refugee. Yeah, I always do that too. Where, And I always think I can do more where it's like, okay, Monday I'm going to paint all the cloaks. 
two, and this is in the week that I take off before every turn, big, huge tournament I go to, because I'm like, oh, I can finish anything in a week, but it never happens. And it's like Monday, I'll finish the cloaks. Tuesday, I got to do the shields. Like what you, like you said, right? You're calculating how many days you have left before the event and what you need to finish. Oh, absolutely agree. Yeah. I did the same thing with Masters too. It was highlighting and doing these different things and trying to actually do some molds. And if people saw my little dragon that I brought, which was an old Rune Wars dragon that we split in half with one of my clubmates, John Douglas, and he actually sculpted it and made it up. And then I had to repaint it. And it was like down to the wire getting that done. But it it, it worked out. Mm. And like Hillary and I do similar to what you and your wife do where, where we'll watch a show and I'll paint or she'll paint with me or she does like um, coloring or something. But I try to really in, 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 incorporate her into it by saying, hey, what do you think? What hair should this person's, you know, what color should her hair be? Or what do you think about this new armor color? Because one, I really love to have her feedback and she's an artistic person, but I think it's it makes her feel like I'm and for me feel like she's a part of the hobby, too in some level, you know, it's not just me in a corner by myself and no, no shade on anyone who likes to escape and have their own time doing that, you know, whatever works for you. But I found the more I've incorporated her in my hobby life, the more she is encouraging and uh, supportive of me going off and doing hobby stuff. So. Well, and it also turned out my eight year old, uh, she's my oldest and she comes in the other day and she goes, daddy, what are you doing? It was Sunday and a Sunday afternoon and we're hanging out and she's like, you're, you're painting again. And I said, yeah. And she goes, I really want to learn. And I kind of looked at her and I was like, really? So I pulled down a bunch of my old minis and we sat together for two hours and she painted it. I think she's better than me, honestly, already, which is, which, <laughs> Start which is no good. I'm like, Start oh, the sweatshop. exactly. You know? Pull and a croacher, get the little kids oh, painting yeah. your stuff. No, and that Matt told me that exact same thing, and he's like, yeah. "Just wait until they start painting with you." And I'm like, "Nah, man." And it was it was a really cool experience because we just sat there and chatted. And so it's like I encourage all the listeners if you have a child or a significant other or a friend or whatever it is, even if it's your buddy from your club and you want to like get together on a paint night, sometimes we'll do paint night calls where we'll actually jump on like FaceTime or we'll jump on uh, some sort of a, a call service and our club mates and we'll sit there and encourage each other and be like, Hey, what are you working on tonight? What are you painting on? And, and it's not like a push each other to get something done. It's just a matter of like doing it together sometimes makes it more interesting and more enjoyable. Yeah, you know, there's a reason why After Dark is still going strong. I mean, it's kind of uh, used to be just like a few of us every night, but now it's 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 really grown because it is fun to be able to to hobby, like you said, with your buddies. So, well, awesome. Sounds like I'm excited. You, everyone's uh, up to a bunch of cool stuff. So for now, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we'll talk everything refugees of the old world. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Duncan Rhodes from the Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy, and I hope you're about to apply a second thin coat just there whilst you're listening to Countercharge. Hey, this is Luke from Luke's APS listening to Countercharge. And we are back. So, Ben, why don't you take us through a little bit of what's the Kings of War scene sort of like in Rexburg? How, how, maybe how did it get going or or how did the idea of refugees sort of get into your head? You know, give us a little history of the tournament. Yeah, Absolutely. So Rexburg is literally the middle of nowhere. Like um, like Mike said, he's from an even smaller town 15 miles north of us. Uh, and Rexburg is literally – it's a college town. It's it's that, that quintessential college town that you always see in like – 
TVs and movies kind of thing. There's literally nothing around. Um, there's a regional airport, uh, which Jeremy has discovered is uh, one of the joys of learning how to travel to uh, refugees if you're not driving. Um, and, and it can be kind of – it's an out-of-the-way location. Um, that being said, I've I've been gaming since – I was a little kid, which is, you know, a couple decades ago now. Um, and I've always enjoyed it and I've all and I've grown up hearing about all these cool events such as like Adepticon when I was younger and 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 then once I got into Kings of War I started hearing about all these tournaments and I'd heard about Warhammer tournaments when I was playing in that and I always wanted to go to one, but it was always such such a long haul to get to them. Um that it just was never plausible, especially, you know, for a college kid or a high school kid to go to. And I always wondered why there wasn't something else that I could go to or see or do or something along those lines. Um, and so when I finally got older and I got into the to Kings of War and I started hearing about all these tournaments around there and I finally was starting to be able to go to them, um, I, I realized what a blast they were to go to. And I wanted to grow our our area here in Rexburg because we've got a we've got honestly it's really weird we have a plethora of game stores in the area. I mean we've only got one in Rexburg, but it's also a, a town of about thirty thousand. But about forty minutes down the road, we've got another a bigger city of Idaho Falls, uh, and it has three game stores um, in it, which is bizarre to me but um all of them have warhammer all of them have or age of sigmar now all of them have um they have all sorts of different gaming each one's kind of dedicated to one specific niche of tabletop gaming um and i've just realized that there's a big demand for that in the area for some reason there's there there's there's a lot of nerds in this area of idaho which you wouldn't expect you'd expect more cowboys and such as that and there are plenty of those but um, so I decided to start building the community in the area, um, and I wanted an event to kind of to to hang the rest of the year around, kind of thing. My the one big, you know, the the crown jewel of the of the year kind of thing that I could build towards and build up to, and say, hey, if you really want to experience what Kings of War is like, come to Refugees of the Old World. Um, and, and just like a lot of players, uh, there was a big influx of Kings of War players and I was one of them that came with the sundering of the old world of, of, uh, GW deciding to kill off, uh, Warhammer and bring in Age of Sigmar. And that's where the name came from, Refugees of the Old World, because a lot of our gaming groups were from that forgotten world. And so we were bringing a lot of our Warhammer armies in there and our, and our, the, regalia or the insignia of the tournament is actually a, a, a warhammer that's being split by two bolts of lightning kind of thing and so it's 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 a play on that all of it is a play on that kind of thing but the other thing that i wanted to do with this is as i was traveling around to all the tournaments uh that i was going to like lady of the lake and lone wolf and uh masters every year that i went to that and uh just in in, in tournaments over in portland and, and just all over the place um i i picked up little bits and pieces of all these different tournaments these cool ideas and cool things that people presented as part of their thing and each year the tournament has evolved to incorporate these different pieces and so it's really kind of like a patchwork quilt of all the fun experiences that i've had that i put into 
into into this tournament kind of thing. Um, for example, the idea of the special character that we have, I got from Lady Lake and Lone Wolf, both of them, because I, I've talked with Chris uh, Kapsner and Mark Cox about their tournaments, and I, when working with them with the International Campaign Day and coming up with their tournaments and kind of their ideas for organizing events that's where the special character came from for refugees because i thought that was a really cool idea um my scoring system is something that i came up with on my own and then started incorporating other things into it uh bonus points from things like uh like lone wolf and and also going into masters and seeing the 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 high quality of the swag that they provide um and just having cool ideas of things like that and bringing that all back together to refugees has been kind of my my brainchild behind it you know that's really cool you bring up that idea of uh you know we always say it run the event that you would want to go to you know, if, yeah. there's, if there's something you like in an event, <laughs> steal it. If there's something you don't Absolutely. like in an event, don't use it, right? So that's really – that's something I think I really dig what you're saying, which is I'm going to travel around. I'm going to take the little bits and pieces that I love most or that resonate with me the most and then use those as sort of the DNA of the event that I would want to run. Yep, and that's exactly what, I, what Refugees is. It's a Frankenstein of – all the tournaments that I've been to and my own wild haired schemes and all that thrown together. And this is what comes out. Okay. So it's coming up, right? It's going to be, uh, on October 15th and 16th. Right. And if you look at your calendars, ladies and gentlemen, that is a Friday and Saturday. So why don't you take us, let's talk a little bit about that. That's a very, uh, unique dating. So what was the sort of Genesis for that? So originally, Refugees of the Old World was designed for the local player base here in here in Rexburg, Idaho. And in Rexburg, if you've ever been here on Sunday, it is a ghost town. Um, nothing's open. Everything is shut down. It's really old-fashioned in that regard. Um, on top of that, the venue, the game, including the game store, where we're going to be having it at, and that was the basis of it because. Financially speaking, it was it was the most economically feasible. It was already a rallying point for the players. So using the local game shop here in Rexburg as the, the venue made sense. But again, they're they're closed on Sunday. So um, the idea was, well, OK, we'll run it Friday, Saturday. And because I was trying to build it for the local player base, I was like, OK, we'll start it Friday evening and go through Saturday. And um, when I started it, there was a game, there was a tournament that I remember listening to about on Countercharge that uh, Rob talked about this really cool idea of having a mulligan game. And the idea was on games on one of you, on your first four games of the five, you would drop your lowest score from those. Um, that would make that would help mitigate something like just a game where your dice were ice cold or your opponent's dice were super hot or something like that. And so you had this opportunity to uh, to to play to play games on Friday night. Um, but if you had to come in late because you got out of work late or you couldn't take the day off or something along those lines, I wanted to make it possible for. Uh, players in the local area to begin acclimatizing themselves to these two-day events, these multi-day events. And so I wanted them to realize that it, 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 while it's possible to participate in the tournament and still do well, it really helps if you can be there. 
episode rather than penalize them for you know having lives and not being used to this kind of schedule my idea behind it was well let's make it so it incentivizes them to come that friday night and from that it evolved out into okay now players are more used to this they're prepared to come in on friday night and we've already established that precedence now so let's just keep going with it um and from that it's it's evolved out into what it is today where um, it's it's a two-day event, it's a GT, it has five rounds just like that, but it's kind of almost the reverse of most tournaments where you do three games on Saturday and two or three games on Sunday, and instead you do two games on the first day. Um, you have the morning to travel to the event or to get up, and I'm planning on doing a, a breakfast or something like that, especially where there's a lot of you guys from Reno coming and you, Jeremy, from California. We've even got um, Eldon or Donnie from clear over in Minnesota. From uh, Oh, from Donnie's, Donnie's coming? That's cool. Donnie's coming, yeah. Nice. So he, he's coming from all the way over there. Um, and so there's going to be a lot of out of towners that are probably going to be here. If you guys are here Friday morning, I would like to organize something to go out and do a breakfast thing or a brunch thing that morning because the games don't start until five o'clock that evening, uh, to give people enough time to get out of work and make their way here. If they're a local player or something along those lines. And that's, that's kind of where that idea came from is there's still the hangout times or there's still the travel times. Um, that you'd have for a normal GT. They're still the same similar layout that it's not that hard to wrap your your, your head around the, the scheduling and all that kind of stuff. But it, it makes it more possible for the locals to participate, uh, which is what this was built for. And, and just a, a different uh, situation using the resources that I had at hand. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of interesting stuff to sort of uh, dissect in what you said that I think is interesting which is if you're looking to start to run your first tournament looking for to run it at a game store is always going to save you tons of money and yes. you don't you don't have to rent a hall yourself as long as you can find a space that has mm-hmm. a, a store that has enough space and then also running tournaments at game stores when you're first growing your scene is great because people are going to walk up and be like oh what are you guys doing here oh we're playing mm-hmm. this this Kings of War. I know that's what we did uh, for Babe Kings up until now that Britain's abandoned me and moved and we're working on what the next plan is. We ran it in a game store. It, it was financially really the only decision we could make. But I think there's a lot of, of benefits from it. And I think and on top of that, I think it's really interesting how you were thinking about how do I design an event that works for my player base, but is going to begin to climatize them for where I want our scene to eventually go to, which is more towards that traditional two-day GT model. So why don't you take us through, um, again, it's coming up on the 15th and 16th. Why don't you take us through uh, uh, points-wise, maybe touch base on the, the you said, uh, the special character, and then maybe just give a little uh, a synopsis of what the, the schedule is going to look like. So there's a special character you get. Um, again, I got this idea when I went to the Lady of the Lake. Um, it was a really cool thing. There's a special character that you get or that you were required to bring uh, in addition to your whole army. And I thought it was just a cool little extra special thing. I wanted to bring that back to my players here and let them kind of experience that and see what they thought of it. Uh, it seemed to go over really well uh, the last couple of years that we've used it. Um it's just a – it's not a character that's super overpowered. He's not going to win the game for – well, he could win the game for you, but it's not going to be like he is – he's not a Mary Sue that's just going to march across the battlefield killing unit after unit. He's he's an, he's helpful. His stats are pretty simple. He's a speed six, 
three plus melee, no ranged, five up defense. He's an infantry, so height two. The cool, the interesting thing that I did is I gave him a unit strength, even though he's an individual, because I like the idea of playing around with that. Um, he's got four attacks and he's an eleven thirteen nerf, so he's pretty similar to a lot of individual like fighty heroes that you'll see in most lists the thing that really gives him his thing is that he's a unit strength one um on top of that he's obviously he's an individual he's got inspiring so he's an extra source of inspiring for your army he's stealthy he's got ensnare crushing one and weakness two and he's mighty so he's a really really good character that you just automatically get um, especially in our area, there wasn't a lot of, uh, fighty characters kind of thing. Like the, not, not the Lords that do inspiring, but the, like the, the cursed son and the, uh, Varanger or something like that, that had, that's a little bit more fighty. Our scene wasn't taking a lot of them, but there's so many cool models out there that are unmounted individuals that this gave an opportunity for people to use those models in a meaningful way at this tournament. So that's kind of what I got that idea from. There's a lot of uses for him because he can. He's a scoring unit. He can pick up um, loot tokens and things of that nature, which, which is really interesting for an individual. It's not something you see in most games. Right, twenty-two hundred yeah, points. Yes, it is. A, you make a twenty-two hundred point list, and then you get this special character on top of that, uh, and he counts as one hundred and fifty points in, when factoring in attrition. So if you take him off the table, he counts as having routed one hundred and fifty points. So technically. The list could be considered at 2350. And I'm guessing since it may or may not be out, but if it's out, it's going to be so close uh, with the new Clash of Kings pack that we're going straight up where the state of the game is is right now. Yeah, exactly. Right now it's like I'm not sure when Clash of Kings is officially going to drop, but I think it's from the sounds of things from everything the rumors seem to be saying is like end of September, 1st of October. And where most people played most of their games in the previous one, uh, in the, before the Clash of Kings update, it, it's just a little bit too close for some of the players to have a chance to get in enough practice games to get accustomed to that. Um, and it, it's just easier to keep the, the older, older rule set, um, especially if it drops like the week before or something along those lines. Um, I've also had a lot of questions about using the halflings list and they're not quite there yet. They're, they're still in the playtesting phase, so probably not going to include them either. Um, but they will I mean, that makes be sense. next year. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. um, shameless plug, you know, Croger and I are on the playtest team, so cannot discuss anything now, but what I can tell you guys is we have a ton of awesome clash of Kings content, like, that we're going to be working on and that's going to be ready to go. So as soon as that book goes live, stay tuned because we're going to have a ton of analysis, breakdown, some stuff on what it was like to be a tester. So, um, and again, I have been given permission to say that the cock test games that I have are some of the funnest Kings of War games I've played ever. So I can't wait for you guys to see what's in, uh, what's coming out. It's really awesome stuff. So, um, so talk to me a little bit, uh, Ben, what's, what's, and you don't need to go into the minutia, but, uh, mm-hmm. uh talk a little bit about the scenarios and also what, what sort of scoring system does refugees use? So the scoring system is kind of my own brainchild. The closest thing that I found to it is the, the Northern Kings scoring system. 
Um, when I heard them, I was like, wow, that's really close to what I do. Um, the basic idea of is you have a running tally that you do of all your games based off of scenarios. There are 15 points that you can gain from winning the scenario. Um, just, just for an example, uh, in the loot uh, scenario, there's three tokens, right? Each token's worth five points. Regardless of how many you get, you get to keep those battle points at the end of the game. That helps contribute to your overall score and your and your best general score as well. Uh, so for to, to give it a rough breakdown in that in that loot scenario, say that you score two of the tokens, so that's ten battle points. Then because you won the scenario, you get an additional five battle points. And then for every 400 points of your opponent, you get another battle point. So all of this adds up on a sheet that you add up at the end of your game. You hand it in to me. I keep a running tally of it. And So no negative, whatever, basically. Yeah, there's, there's yeah, no so negative. That's, that's very Northern Kings, right? That you're only getting positive points. You're not... You're not taking anything away from your opponent, which I like that type of scoring system myself. Yeah, and that's that's absolutely what I was going for. I, I didn't want to, especially since a lot of our player, again, like I said, this is built around a, a local scene kind of thing. I didn't want to make players feel bad because they took a risk and it, and it backfired on them kind of thing. Um, the worst thing I wanted to happen is you take a risk and you didn't get anything for it. Um, or it's bad enough if you take that risk and it loses you the game kind of thing rather than it also lost you points. And so that, that's the basic idea of it. Each game you can earn, uh, you can earn 25 battle points if you just totally sweep the board kind of thing. Uh, if you get all of the points, that's pretty hard to do in most scenarios, but 25 points is the maximum you can get. Um, if you table somebody that isn't an automatic 25 points, it's whatever you, if you table them, that's great. You need to finish out the game and see how many of the objectives you can actually claim. Because if you table somebody and you only have one unit with unit strength on the table, well, then you can only claim so many battle, battle points for, for the objective. So, um, I wanted to de-emphasize the kill aspect of the scenarios and really emphasize the, um, the the strategy and and making sure that you have unit movement and things of that nature uh, and really focus on the scenarios. And I see that like kind of you mentioned it a little bit that there's five games you have to keep your fifth game score, but of your first four games you can pick the three highest. So basically you can drop one of those yes. scores. Yeah. So that yeah that automatically happens so as soon as after game one and two for game one it doesn't happen obviously but after game two you'll drop your lowest score so if your lowest score out of game one and two is you got a 15 points in one and a seven point in the other one you'll automatically drop the 7.1 but then if later on and that'll factor where you are as far as standings and who you're paired with too so losing a game doesn't mean you automatically submarine either which is an interesting dynamic so, uh, as well when nick dices me off with his completely balanced undead army that everyone knows is completely <laughs> balanced i can drop that score then yes awesome yep. and then but so he, he had that to look forward to. And also it makes it so that those those really bad games where you just everything goes wrong for you, they don't sting quite as bad. And if you later on have a worse game, so say your first two games are you got a 20 and then you got a, an 18, you'll drop the 18. But then say your third game, you get five points. It'll switch your, your 18.1 will come back and your 3.1 will get dropped from there. And have you found that with since it's a five games, but you're really taking four scores 
do you find that that gives you enough separation? I mean, I think it would be fine with the smaller field. Or, or have you found that that gives you enough separation in points? I've I've yet to, I've yet to see the very at the very least um, for uh, for the this will be the fifth year that we've done it. I've never run into a thing where it is absolutely neck and neck. Um, it has yeah. come down to being within five and ten points, but there's usually been a pretty significant separation with with the with the four or five games basically. Um, and and the real the real kicker, the thing that really made that work, uh, because the first year it kind of threw it into uh, a little bit of uh, disarray, was not drop making it so that somebody could drop their last game, and that's what really brings in the separation because usually. Those first three games, uh, those first four games will help determine where kind of people are. Um, and that fifth game is where uh, the, the matchups are based on skill exclusively almost. And so not being able to drop that last game really brings out separation in the field right there. Yeah. Um, is it, I think um, having six games would be better. If I could do that, I would do that. Um, but just the way the schedule set up and, like I said, the way that things are in the town that we're in, it's just not viable to do six games. But five games, I found, uh, does a pretty good job of, of stratifying that, the, the spread of scores and all that. Yeah, you know, like I said, I really love that scoring system where, you know, you're not disadvantaging players. It always sucks to when you win to be like, Oh, so it's plus five for me, negative five for you. You know, it's just nice to us. Everyone's going up, but, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, we talked about the points. we talked about the scenarios, sort of the, the schedule. How are you doing paint? Yeah. So paint, um, something I've noticed in a lot of, uh, of tournaments that I, that I liked a lot was that you did a self scoring worksheet, uh, to, because there are probably things on your paint, that you've done that I wouldn't notice just looking at it. Like I'm not a, familiar with every model range that's out there, especially with 3d printing stuff and like that. And so if you've done something special or you really modded out a model or you did something really cool, I give you this worksheet, you fill out the points, things like is everything painted to a three color minimum standard? And is it consistent throughout the army? That gives you so many points as uh, it have a consistent basing scheme, things like that, that you can honestly tell me and then explain some things like, did you do anything custom with your army? And you assign yourself, because I found with, especially with Kings of War players, that, I mean, at the end of the day, if you really want to cheat at a tournament, you get a piece of plastic that you didn't even earn. So you can live with that kind of thing. And I mean, it, it uh, I, I haven't had a problem with that at all in any of the situations and most of the tournaments that I've gone to have used a similar system. And so I feel like this is a great way for you to brag about your army, talk about all the cool things that you've done, all the cool things that you've worked on. And uh, you score yourself up to 25 points. Then I'll come around and I will assign an additional, uh, you can earn up to additional 15 points from what I see as, as a paint judge. So 
that can involve anything from did you use any advanced paint techniques like did you use uh, OSL or non-metallic metals or things of that nature and depending on the skill and the application there that's you know it could be an extra five points do you incorporate storytelling is does your army tell a story right is there some kind of is it evocative when I'm looking at it does it make me think about what's going on um, and there's there's zero to five points that you can give there and then just an overall appearance is zero to four points from me just how does the army look as a whole when i take a step back and look at the army as it's full and then just as kind of like a tiebreaker um there's a judge's choice that i can award one point uh so that if it's coming down and it's looking like all the paint there's a couple paint scores that are really close um i can i can use one point to use this kind of like a tiebreaker kind of thing to be like hey these guys all have you know 45 points uh well he's just kind of they're close enough okay this person gets my judge's choice so that puts them up to 46 kind of thing um basically though you fill out a good portion over half of your points is up up to you to assign and then i'll come around and uh, assign the remaining points based off of what i see as as my paint experience um gives me with it if that, that makes sense yeah so it's a nice little combination i think some people do that right where they do like a a checklist portion but and then they do like a judge a judge's bonus points right mm-hmm. so that you are doing uh, still having the judge but you, the player is is giving you a starting point as far as uh, yeah. where to go from there so and and i do reserve the right that if somebody awards themselves a whole bunch of points and it looks like it's unwarranted i'll i'll pull them aside and be like look did you really do this kind of thing and I'm, i just want to check and make sure just kind of I, I i do reserve the right to um to to verify like combinations or mods or anything like that and it might also be that i'll pull you aside because i'm like wow you 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 modified modded this show me how you did it guide me through the process because i think it's really cool and i want to learn more about what you did with it and so that gives you more of a chance to kind of show off your your craft basically so um if, if i come up and talk to you about your paint it's not because i'm trying to really did you really do this it's more of a hey this is really cool i want to learn more about this what are, guide me through your creative process kind of thing and what are we looking at uh, numbers wise? How many people, how many signups do you have or thereabouts? And do you have a, is there, since it is in a store, do you, are you have a cap of how many people uh, can sign up? Yeah, we, we're trying to stick around 20. Uh, we, we could probably push it to 22 or 24 people if, if it really, if there's a lot of interest in that. Um, right now we have 10 that have paid um, and we have several that have expressed interest um i i think we're looking right now based off the numbers of people that have expressed interest and that uh that have earnestly inquired and 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 asked for information about the the tournament all that kind of stuff we're looking at getting close to selling out so um if somebody's interested in the tournament it's looking to be probably our best as far as numbers are going um and and with that comes another aspect of the tournament that i that i enjoy as well is because i actually kind of like the idea of it being a bit of a smaller almost more of an intimate uh tournament um it's kind of meant to like all tournaments are it's meant to showcase the thing but it's also to show it off in the local area for the local players and i and i like the the smaller tournament because it allows me to do and play with some things that some of the bigger tournaments uh, might not be able to 
um, such as the idea of the Mulligan game. And and with 20 players, there's a little bit more of a, of, of a spread as far as the points go, as opposed to if there were 60 or 65 players or so on, like in, in some of the bigger tournaments. Um, it would be a little bit closer of a, a, a little, it would be a little bit more neck and neck, and uh, that stratification and that 20, wouldn't, wouldn't be. Yeah, and that twenty, that, that twenty to thirty range is really nice in that um, for those type of tournaments, they still feel like a tournament, but then you can organize, like you said, of doing like a a meal together or a breakfast together, or or it's an, it's not too many people where you can still have everyone at the event all hang out together. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's and that's what it is. I, I especially on Saturday, I try to make it so that if you don't want to other than for like lunch, because it's nice to go out and get a breath of fresh air and come back. But if you don't want to, there's no reason to to leave the site. Um, Dinner is going to be pro- provided on Saturday so that everybody who's been there can just take a few minutes to, to de-stress from the tournament, kind of just joke around, go visit their favorite opponent or the new people that they've met. Um, Because some of the coolest players I've met have come to this tournament. Um, There have been some just some really interesting people that I never would have met. Otherwise, they don't go to too many other tournaments. Um, And it's just it's just kind of a cool little small intimate gathering of of people that enjoy the the hobby and that are looking to experience a a tournament for their first time, possibly. And I love how you do it, which is. Let's put all the resources not into trying to take pictures of a prize pool, but instead of all the cool busts and trophies and swag that you can get. I always uh, that's what I want from the tournaments. I want cool trophies or fun little doodads or something. I mean, I can buy models on Amazon or whatever. I don't even care about any of that. I don't know what you guys think, but to me, tournaments, it's all about the 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 shinies that you get when you go. Yeah. Uh, and price support goes i try to go out because i also want it to be that if a person really wants to get into the tournament or into the game um that this is a really good way because i have lots of army sets i have lots of models that i give out throughout the course of the tournament and everybody's going to walk away with with a, a kit of at least worth 30 bucks or so i go out look for sponsors but i also like you said I, I, I do dice bags. Everybody gets a set of dice from the tournament. There's there's coin mark fantasy coin markers that I give out. Um, little doodads. The trophies are all custom made. I painted them all myself. Um, and the best overall is a sword that's from a local uh, dealer here, and it's engraved uh, with the that's overall champion cool. and the. So it's it's, uh, it's all about fun stuff. It has something that I think appeals to wherever you're at in the spectrum of going to a tournament. There's something in refugees that should appeal to you, whether it's your competitive side because it's it's obviously it's a tournament, or if it's I want to really max out my paint score and have a really cool trophy to show for it, or if I just want to go and have a good time, I'm going to have a bunch of stuff. Or if you're a brand new player just starting out. Uh, this is a great way to get your foot in the door and get an army started or get models for for your army because we want you to come back out and we want you to feel invested in it and we want you to know that we're going to help you get your army going and get the hobby started for you. We're going to explain things for you. We're going to help you with your paint score and talk to you about this stuff and just show you a good time. Now, Ben, one thing. This is it. This is really important for me. Um, on the <laughs> dice side, okay, do the, do the dice have tractors? Do they have, do I have tractors? 
Unfortunately, no, no. Okay, no, you're, you're good. Because uh, good, because I have I have PTSD, PTSD, <laughs> and Travis Tim rolling freaking tractors all day on me, and I'm like, oh look, you threw ninety six dice. dice and it's, I mean, I mean, like, thank you for not having tractors because I think I die every time when we have a local <laughs> player who has them, and I'm like, I don't want to play you right now because all I see is tractors, and I just curl up in a little ball in the corner and just think, oh, Travis Tim, look thank you so you've much. Done. So, so that is a tip for anybody that plays Nick first round is go out and buy a toy tractor, bring it with you and just hand that over to you on your third, on your first round. You'll, like you're a shoe in. Costume. I got to dress up in a tractor <laughs> costume. And I, will, just like, I will throw you out the door so said I got to start sending like uh, Garrett's not here, but before Masters, we played round one and he kept sending me pictures of fish killing people because he was playing Trident Realms. I got to start sending Nick like pictures of tractors as, as a way to like psych him out. But um, yeah. So uh, uh, uh and I was, you know, go ahead. No, go for it. I was just gonna say I and I mean if you if you'd like to include this I don't know but Mike could probably give a better idea of what it's like from the player side he's been at all five events and he's won nearly every award I think the only award he hasn't won is best general because he won best overall last year and I think he hasn't won best painted but I think he's won literally every other award including counter charger and rookie of the year that we do awesome. I haven't won bloodiest general yet or um, whatever you, you call that award. So that's the one I'm going for this year. Just lose outright, bomb every single game and just see if I can take that one just to add to the collection. So what army did you take last year, Mike? Um, I took a, bas- a Basilian army. Oh, nice. And yeah. and um, this year, what are, you, what are you thinking about taking this year? Uh, I, I keep going back and forth. I've got Varengur list I, I like a lot, but is probably not my best list um and i've got a an undead list that i'm working on most likely undead but haven't totally decided mm-hmm. cool and then nick um you're you're bringing the the undead basically as of now i i you know jeremy i have been i've been trying so i i think on our prior episode i I let the uh, listeners know that I was starting to rack an army, and that has been going exceptionally well, but there's no way I could have gotten that painted in time, Postmasters. Especially um, like a board army like that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, I was there the other day. I was like, oh, yeah, this is no big deal. And then I, I assembled it all, and I went, oh, I, I think I have 175 rat warriors. I think something's wrong with me. Um, <laughs> it was just like, this is insane. I've never even done this. Uh, so I've been trying to make this healthy to me. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, I've been trying to make the work so hard. Just, 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 you know, and, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not. An it is not easy, player. my friend. It Holy not, crap. It's, it's not, not dude. Like I have, you beat me. And so I've, I've watched how you play it. I see how you play it masters. And it's just like, you know, I don't I just can't make it work. So yeah, I've I've gone back to my crutch, which is undead and surge. And um, you know, I have a new list that I'm I'm not gonna spoil it for everybody, but it's got 
a different flair. Um, for those of you who remember my master's list, I brought Jarvis and everyone laughed and they're like, haha, Jarvis, no allies. And like, yeah, you're right. You're right. That was actually kind of a silly thing. Um, but we had a lot of fun with that. So I, I went the opposite way. I'm a grind player. I love the grind and I like to do the heals or I like to run those elite armies. So I kind of went the other way with, uh, kind of more of my necromancer feel. And I'm kind of going more swarm style this time Ooh, with high high drops still with some you know hammers in there but basically i can just feed my enemies as much stuff as i want until they just decide they've had enough awesome yeah i mean nothing uh, against other basilian players it's just combined arms basilian as it is is just difficult i mean i think you saw uh you know grant's speed version he's done really well at the couple events i think uh Basilians work well when you just go speed and you take like Julius Samacris, you do like the the Wonder Twins and the Paladin or Dragon and you just go like Ricky Bobby speed. But I know your Basilians were a little similar to mine, which is some knights, some ogres, you know, a little bit of everything. That is a very challenging uh, you you can't make any mistakes basically when you play that list. No, no, you can't. Usually, you're not going to get thirteen more than but fourteen drops is usually what I end up with, and it just, yep. it just, it's not forgiving. And if the dice say screw you, you're done. You're gonna, you're, you're done. You're going home with yeah, your tail between you your legs. Make. There's no, no redundancy no. in that list, nope. and there's no get out of jail cards. Or but when you play it perfectly, it's very or or, or when everything goes and you don't make mistakes and the dice go, it is a very satisfying army to play because it does reward you. But um, I've had games where it's just, you, it's frustrating because you feel sometimes there's nothing you can do. Um, so in oh. that note, that's what I'm taking. I'm taking, <laughs> Great. I'm taking my, my combined arms, Basileans. It's my best uh, painted army. Um, I thought for half a second of bringing out my second edition Undead. Um, or, uh, I'm going to be doing a team tournament in December and was going to contrast up some abyssals. So I thought of like, well, maybe I'll try to speed some, and I was just like, no, I'm just going to take, taking the Basileans. Um, so it's going to be similar to my master's list. Other, other than the spears are, I'm now on, they're on a beach somewhere, you know, resting from, uh, trying to get them finished. And I think I'm going to take a couple of elohi regiments i like i i do like them in the regiment they do give you gives me a couple more chaff pieces it gives me some speed um and i think i'm gonna try out the um uh tall what's his name tall tall or tall tall or what's it the um Tolivar, the seer he's my thinking really fun yeah i've never played him and i'm thinking you know i don't really have an alohi horde to use his bane chant but i do like the idea of being able to put a regiment of alohi and give them rally or give samacris rally because she's angelic so and then the fact that you 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 put bastion on them and then i have a bane chant three because usually i like a priest with bane chant two and a conjuring staff so i'm sort of getting that right um but with a little ability to sort of hedge that um 1517 weakness when your whole army is 1517 uh it's tough so i think with the bastion my hope is i can get a rally one to uh you know and and that buff nerve uh to maybe help me survive because what the basilian combined arms does do really well is it counter punches really well you just gotta live uh it doesn't matter how good your 1517 unit is when someone kills them in one turn so 
Um, but that's going to be my big piece. And then I think for the special character, I'm going to use my Abyss, painted Abyss, which everyone knows that's like my favorite model. I'm going to use the uh, the Abyss as my special character because um, uh, I thought that fit sort of well with sort of the theme of that is to have like a preachy, preachy Abyss. So, um, so that's what I'm going to oh, yeah. do. Um, continue the Bastelands, even though I am really working hard on other projects. Um, so that I can uh, in 2022 play play a different army, um, but I'm really psyched. You know, Ben, you would come down for Bay of Kings. Um, I'm all I'm all about reciprocity, and that's how you grow tournaments. Is you go to other people's tournaments and they see you're a good guy, and then they come they come to your tournament. Um, so I'm super excited. And then I know Nick, is this for you and the Reno guys? Just you guys want to get out there, get some master's points, get back on the, the really play a whole season on the circuit. Is that sort of like what went into you guys wanting to go to refugees? That's, that's part of it. And, and also, um, you know, there's a rumor going around and, and if, for those of you who are listening, who don't really know Ben Stoddard, if you just kind of Google his name, there's something famous attached to his name, and it just happens to be some sort of a book. Uh, there's a rumor going around that he's actually working on some other things, and uh, you know, if if it's an opponent that he likes or whatever it is, maybe we can squeak into his book, and maybe you know, one of our special characters might make it in. And so that's that's a draw for us as well. But um, yeah, it's actually one of the going to be closer tournaments because even though up in Reno, where we're kind of located up in northern Nevada, you know, most of our it seems like our competitive scene for the West Coast is going to be located down in Southern California. Rexburg, Idaho, is actually closer um <laughs> which is crazy it's... in itself but no and it's also that you know the the experiences that our group has had with ben over the years it just makes it where we want to go um you know blake has had some great experiences and i've had nothing but awesome things to say about ben and and his and his i mean it's just we want to go we want to be a part of that and as of now you know we've got about eight guys that are going and I don't know if all of them paid you, Ben. I'll I'll start rustling the bridges a little bit to get that money to you. But I mean, I we're we're stoked. We are super stoked to show up and force and have a good time. Awesome. Yeah, I know. I need to pay you too. Do do as I say, not as I do, which is pay your <laughs> tos immediately. As a to, having people tell you that they're coming and not pay you is the most frustrating thing in the world. So I will be uh, paying you. Uh, Monsieur uh, uh, Immediamente. As soon as I get off here, I will send you payment. But yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm totally psyched. What, what do you think, Mike? Are you? Is it exciting to to be hearing like a bunch of out of region people are going to be making the trek up there? Um, it's super exciting. It's fun to watch the tournament grow. Uh, like Ben said, I've been there or been to each of the or been to the tournament each year that he's had it. And the first year was definitely just a a small local tournament, a whole bunch of guys just getting together and rolling dice, and then it's just kind of grown each and every year. And now all of a sudden we've got people coming from Minnesota and Denver and Reno and California. And so it's, it's pretty cool to see a little bit intimidating. Got to step my game up a little bit. We've all got to, and, but it sounds like a great group of guys and it should be a lot of fun. Well, that's the great thing about Kings is no matter how high you go up in the competitive sphere, uh, it's what it's like the best miniatures community as far as just like dope, cool dudes. So, um, well, awesome. I'm super excited. Um, I know, Ben, for you, is it exciting? It's it, it, We're coming out of COVID, but it sounds like this may be like sort of the biggest re refugees that you guys have had, or at least the most travel that you've had. Absolutely the most traveled we've had. Uh, up to this point, we've had 
the Zamuda brothers that came from, well, one of them came from, I want to say Seattle. And I know Tony's going to, going to hear this and probably be like, really Ben, but, um, I, I, he, he's been the one that's traveled the furthest to come to this. And he was pretty, pretty consistent. Haven't heard from him this year. I'm not sure how, what things are looking like for him. Um, but he, he's wondered in the past as well. Uh, we, but, uh, for, as for this year, yeah, this year is definitely the one that has the most new faces from out of town. I'm super stoked that there's a scene starting up in Reno because it'd be really nice to be able to drive to a tournament instead of having to fly to one. Um, and I'm really excited to have a, a, a group of players that are closer than I, I think the closest tournament to us. How far was it to Portland again, Mike? How far did we drive? Isn't it about 12 hours? It's about 12 hours, and that, that's really fun. But by the end of those 12 hours, there's some violent sidelong glances going back and forth. <sighs> yeah, and see, that's like the cap. Like, that's what Seattle is for me. So, like, Portland's not that bad. It's eight hours or so. But when I drove up to for um, Emerald Dragon when it was whatever it was, Cascade Clash or Cat Clash mm-hmm. of Cascade Kings or whatever it was before Emerald Dragon – that's a 12 hour drive and like 12 hours I think is still doable, but that's like, I'm not like a crazy drive for 20 hours guy. 12 is like, otherwise I just fly. Like I'd fly to your tournament if it wasn't in the middle of, of bum nowhere. Potato field. <laughs> potato fields. I know there's no potato field airlines. So no, no. Um, and then I thought, I thought of, so I was like, what are my options? Okay. Well I could drive or what I'm probably going to end up doing is what we're thinking about is if I drive to Rexburg, I drive right through Reno so I might just drive to Reno and then maybe head up with those guys. Or I know Garrett, who's not on the call, he's heading from the Colorado area. So I was like, well, maybe that's closer. Maybe it makes sense for me to fly to Colorado and then I just hook up with those guys. But from Colorado to Rexburg is like nine hours. So it's like I'm yes. not going to fly two hours to then drive nine hours. No matter how much I like you, Garrett, I'm not going to do that. So. Yeah. Oh, I, I feel your pain every time I'm like, that'd be a really cool tournament. I wonder how I would get to be to that. And it's it's always a, a process of, well, if I'm willing to take a red-eye flight on Thursday night at 1 o'clock in the morning, and I'll get there at 6 o'clock and have a seven-hour layover in Salt Lake before I fly over from there. So, yeah, the, the logistics of – and I totally understand that's that's one of the reasons why I'm not – super aggressive about you know about campaigning for refugees because i understand that it's 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 a difficult venue to get to it's a difficult place to get to but um i i feel like the 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 it's a good tournament and it's a lot of fun and like i said having reno next door well practically next door is such a such an exciting thing and like you said anytime we can get an event in the western part of the united states where it's more stuff that we can drive through drive to because i know Britton and i always talking about that uh, up until you know getting our scene going it was like oh you want to play in a kings of war tournament okay you have to fly you know <laughs> we don't live in like the bread basket like the south or southeast when there's a tournament every weekend but yeah um, so i'm excited i think refugees uh, uh you know we can really make into one of sort of the western region western mountain region um uh, big event, you know, or kind of like the cool uh, try new things event. Because I think it's good to have in your tournament season, you have the straight up events that are normal. You have the more narrative events or you, you have the different flavor of events. Yes. 
you know, so I see yours is in that very much that lone wolf lady of the lake cloak, you know, of still rooted in competitiveness, but with nice little narrative. I mean, you as the writer, you know, you want to have those really narrative flavor elements. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's all about having fun with with and playing around with the system kind of thing, seeing what you can do different. So if people want to contact you to get more information about this year's or just maybe they they can't make this year, but they want to go next year or they just want more information, what's the best way people can find info on refugees or reach out to you? So the best way is I've got a website. It's www.refugeesoftheoldworld, and it's spelled a little funky. Uh, it's got an extra E after old and after world. So it's refugeesoftheold, extra E, world, another extra E, dot com. Um, uh, so yeah, refugeesoftheoldworld.com is the best place to go. I put up the player packets. I put up results. I, once the, once I announce the next, uh, year's things, I start periodically posting updates there. Um, beyond that, you can email me at refugeesoftheoldworld again with the same funky spelling, refugeesoftheoldworld at gmail.com. Um, I, I always try to respond as quickly as I can. And usually it's within 24 hours, if not instantly, if I happen to be at my computer kind of thing. Um, and just, I'm willing to answer any questions you've got. Um, and if you've got an idea that you think it might be interesting to pass along for a tournament, I'm more than willing to consider it because it's always fun to, to see how an event evolves and, and get new ideas and something new and different for it. Awesome. Well, any, um, as we wrap up the show, Nick, any shout outs or, or what's sort of going on in Reno scene? You guys are just getting games in and, um, just getting ready for refugees. Yeah, we've got quite a bit going on down in Reno. We do have, as some people know, a, a pretty competitive scene on Thursdays that meets up and I'm lucky and fortunate as in my position, I'm able to get it down there a little early. So we've, I've been getting like two or three reps sometimes on Thursdays, um, getting ready for refugees that is itself. And we are planning our tournament. We had one last year and we're going to be running one again. And we'll be having our meeting here in a couple of weeks for the West Coast to try to decide what the best time is going to be for people to get up here. Because Reno is, unfortunately, over the past and does make that a little difficult to kind of reach us. So we're trying to figure out the best way to do that here shortly. Um, outside of that, I mean, the whole crew has just been really prepping all the guys. And I appreciate all the reps with guys coming through. Um, and the other shout off has been like, I will have to say, I read your book in three days. It was, yes. it was awesome. And I was complete, if, if you haven't read, I don't want to spoil it for people, but if you haven't read this book, like, don't just pick up the cover and be like, oh, that's cool. Trident realms, like be prepared for all sorts of shenanigans that happens in the book. And I am so beyond excited to read the next one and i'm a big reader and so i'm like hey ben when's your next book coming out because i have an itch to scratch oh it's coming there'll be updates well, that's got to that. make you feel good ben to, to hear oh, someone I... you know say that they just like especially as a first-time author is that is that cool to hear that positive feedback about your book Absolutely. It's always it's always a, a, a surreal experience when someone says, I really love your book. And it's like, oh, oh, that's right. I did write a book, didn't I? And um, you read it. And you read it. You read something that I wrote. 
without me having to pay you for it. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's always exciting. And, and Nick, I, I really appreciate the, the kind feedback, um, quick <clears throat> self, self, selfish plug, uh, you know, it's Amazon reviews kind of thing, cough, cough kind of thing. If you, if you've read the books, any of the books by wing Tassar, and I'll call this my shout out too. If you've read any of the books from wing Tassar, please go and leave uh, some reviews. Uh, I know the nature's night just barely came out and I was one of the five authors for that one. Uh, five, four authors, man, math, not my strong point. That's why I'm an English teacher. Um, but, uh, if you, if you've read that one and you enjoyed it, please go leave a, just a quick one sentence review, give it a couple stars, whatever on Amazon, because every one of those helps boost the, the visibility of that. And if you want to see more stories from wing to SAR, uh, please make sure that you're, that you're, that you're just given that takes a couple minutes to put that on Amazon just so that it increases the visibility. Um, and, and Nick, thanks so much. I, I love hearing about it because like all people who are, who create things and are, and, and, and draw or do art or write or anything along those lines, there's always that, that niggling doubt in the back of your mind. That's going, are you sure it was any good? Do you think you really, you think you're good enough for that? And so hearing that from somebody else, that's, that's always kind of just, it's a great boost to hear. And I, I don't know any, any author out there that doesn't like to hear uh, that, Hey, we really enjoyed your book and it was a really good read. And that, that means a lot. So thanks. Yeah. You create content because you love to do it, but also it's, it is nice every now and then to know that something enjoyed something that you did creatively. So, um, I know I, at masters, uh, uh, or not masters was lone wolf. Yeah. Lone wolf that Cox had the, uh, all the prizes and I had, there's your book on there. So I was like, I knew I'm getting it because Ben was at the tournament. So I was like, I could get the book and get an autograph all, all in one go. So, right. Yeah. And that is one of the things that'll be at a prize at uh, at refugees as well as I'm getting at least uh, kind of like a boxed set of all the books that have been published right now for Kings of War from Wing Tassar as one of the prizes that you can pick up there. So oh, cool. if you're interested in filling out your library, that will definitely be one of the things you'll. Yeah, because I want to. Did they do a paper copy of um, the? Oh my God! I can't believe I'm spacing on it. The Armada one. The pious one? Yes. Yeah, I believe that will be included in. Okay, in, I want to read that one because I really liked. Um, uh, because that's the same writer who did the base alien one, right? Yep. The steps <laughs> to deliverance. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, and I really enjoyed that. If you haven't read Steps to Deliverance, I think that's like a, a good a good mantic one to start with. Her obviously Ben's book, of course, too. But Steps to Deliverance, I I I really enjoyed. Um, uh, are they gonna? Has there been any talk about getting um, an audio version of Drown Secrets, Ben? It is the next one in line. Um, so yes, there is. The, it, it last I heard, it is going to happen. It's the next one in line. And is Ray gonna they read have, it? You think? Yeah, Ray. Ray is the one that's gonna awesome. gonna be doing it, as far as I understand. Um, it's just he's he he's their main for Wing to Star. He's their main audiobook person. And so he's been doing a lot of um, All Quiet on the Martian Front um, and a couple of their other books, and they're going to circle back around to King's War. And as far as I understand, Drowned Secrets is the next book that he's going to be to to be recording as an audiobook. So it's it's in the works. Um, no idea when that's going to become a reality, 
but it's it's hopefully in the relatively near future. Yeah, and and Basalian joking aside, uh, Ray's uh, yeah Ray's reading of Steps to Deliverance was really great. Because I try I list, uh, prior to or as as Hillary and I say before the sickness. I used to drive to work and had long commutes, and I used to always listen to audiobooks. So when I could get Mantic stuff on there, it was always great. But I, I read it, the book and then I listened to the audio, and it was like wow, I, I, it was a completely different experience. So I, I do a lot of that with some of the books. I read them and then I'll listen to the audio. So I, I'm I'm really excited, Ben, because again, top notch. Like it's just it's just fun the way you write too and as a as an author myself but again on the science side and i i don't get the chance you know i come home and i'm like the last thing i want to do is write at the end of the day um it's just your writing style is very well done to the point that i can you know i think anyone can easily pick it up and follow it and it just makes sense so like hats off to you i'm stoked to meet you in person i'm excited and i'm bringing my book by the way you're gonna have to sign it absolutely let me know let's bring it up well, cool. Mike, any shout outs for you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first shout out all you guys that are traveling, you know, going out of your way to come up to our little hamlet here in Idaho. So um, I've traveled to other events and know that it's definitely there's a lot of steps that go to it, a lot of money involved. So everyone that's taking the time, whether it's coming from Minnesota or Denver or uh, Reno, California, wherever it is, definitely thanks for taking that time and coming on up. Um, and then shout out to all the TOs. Um, it takes a special kind of person to be a TO. Uh, a lot of lot of hours go into it. A lot of thankless jobs go into it. And so, I know uh, watching Ben uh, plan out refugees each year, the the money he puts in, the time he puts in. Um, it obviously the tournaments don't happen without the TOs. So definitely a huge shout out to all you guys that do that. And then as far as us, we got uh, a lot of stuff coming up on Countercharge. You know, we're circling back to Army reviews. I know Rob had a poll on the Facebook page about uh, uh, what armies you guys are interested in having reviews for. We'll probably keep firing them. You know, if it, uh, it's always good to have them because whether waiting for the cock pack to come out or whatever, we're never going to finish all the reviews anyway. So we have some stuff like that. Alex is still working on the lost Kuzian episode. So uh, I think he's got something. I don't know. I stopped paying attention because it's going to be the same episode six months from now. He's editing. So, just ask him again in six months. Crozier and I, we have a bunch of the Clash of Kings stuff that we're getting ready, as I said earlier in the episode. Stay tuned for that. I know for the West Coast, like Nick said, we're doing we do a leadership meeting um, every couple of months where we just get together and talk about um, our region. So we'll be solidifying all the dates for our upcoming season. So Rashad uh, has his Riddle of Steel coming up. Brenton will be running Bay of Kings. Uh, most likely it's going to be in San Diego. I know once COVID goes away, uh, the Prenzel Twinkie and next time Ronnie's in the United States, they're, they're making a, a trip out to California. So we will be uh, hosting Ronnie at the Chateau, de, the new and improved Chateau de Holcomb, which now he I think he can fit eight gaming tables in his second story game room in his Laguna Beach uh facility house oh man that guy's crazy but and then i know ronnie we want to take ronnie up to reno meet all those guys so just tons of stuff awesome stuff on the horizon again i'm totally psyched for the new clash of kings pack uh it's just going to be so much fun 
Uh, so, so stay tuned. Lots of uh, interesting stuff coming up in the scene and countercharge. And as always, remember, if you have any requests, any ideas for shows, you know, just check out our Facebook page. Throw us, as, as Ben mentioned for his book, you know, as content creators, you know, if you can uh, put a review on iTunes or on Amazon or whatever, it always uh, will help us out. So until next time, keep countercharging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on countercharge please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com on twitter at countercharge15 or by commenting on the countercharge kings of war podcast facebook group if you enjoy the show you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on itunes until next time keep countercharging Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.